Hey everyone, Jeremy National Fire Radio. Welcome back for another episode on the audio platform. Today I got a brother who I've gotten to know over the last few years through National Fire Radio and going to conferences and trade shows. Uh, this is a guy that is passionate about the special operations, rescue services, and protecting and saving our own. Tim Anderson of Anderson Rescue Solutions, formerly and retired out of Philadelphia Fire Department. Tim, thanks for joining me, brother. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity. Of course, man. I mean, listen, I, all this is for me is a selfish project just to talk to like really cool dudes. And so I put you on that list. I'm scrolling through my phone and I'm like, oh, Tim, no. I never had a chance to really dive in with you. You and I have done a bunch of content together. Every time I see you at a show, I love stopping over saying hello, bullshit for a few minutes. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll shoot a video or two, but it doesn't really, the, the content I've done with you really doesn't paint an accurate picture of your passion or the company that you've developed and now, uh, operate on a daily basis. And so that's the intent of today is really to to let people know who you are, your mission and, and what you're all about. But I want to, before we hop into Anderson Rescue Solutions, which you went all in on, I really want to talk about your background because I mean, you have just a, a passionate love for the fire service. And so maybe you could just take me, you know, from chapter one of how you came up through the fire service sure. and, and to how we got to today. Awesome. Well, yeah, again, thank you very much. I'm humbled to, uh, to be here and it'll be fun to talk here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I appreciate what you guys are doing as well. I mean, you guys have, have brought so much fire service content to all of us. So we're trying uh, brother. We're trying. Yeah. It's, it's great stuff. Thank so, you. Um, let's see. So I, when I was, uh, three to four years old, I wanted to be Superman and then I saw a fire truck and that changed <laughs> and, uh, so much cooler about, <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, whatever that is. I want <laughs> yeah, that. absolutely. I want to be in on that right there. Um, yeah. I think there was some like, you know, October Fire Prevention Week open house at the local firehouse. I was like, dude, I'm sold. So, uh, so I was always super intrigued by it. And then, you know, most kids get too cool for that around 10 to 12. But I was still the guy, like, if I heard a siren, I was running out of my house as fast as I could to just watch the truck go by. It was right there with you, man. And, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was good stuff. And, um, my local volunteer firehouse, I could join when I was 16 and right, I think right before my 16th birthday, I discovered this like massive issue with, uh, one of my legs I had to have surgery for, Oh wow! um, which, uh, which set me back. But what was crazy is that I got the medical all clear on September 10th, 2001. Oh, no kidding. Um, wow. So literally like, so I was like, sweet, now I can, you know, get started in the fire service like tomorrow. And then the next day was September 11th, uh, which was, it was just, a, it was just nuts because I came into, so that obviously delayed things a little bit, but, sure. but by November of 2001, I was officially like voted in as a, you know, a junior fireman. And uh, it was, it was just nuts, you know, starting the fire service right then. Yeah. Um, and I think that probably had a lot of influence on, on kind of where I tracked with my career because I was just consuming so much, uh, you know, history and lore from FDNY and, you know, especially with, with the heavy hit on the special operations companies up on, up there. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of Philly guys went up with FEMA uh, and stuff like that. So just kind of an interest in, in the special ops community 
uh, right away. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but, let me just paint the picture for me real quick. I mean, as a 16 year old kid, you turn 16, right? You got to, you got to, you got to hiccup with your leg, but you get that taken care of. Now you can get in, you're ready to go. You've been wanting this day from, from the day you told Superman to hit the road, right? Like <laughs> to, to me, like I have to think that that was just a pivotal moment in your life where something you've wanted, you're finally there. It was. And I didn't, I mean, I thought, you know, I thought I was going to enjoy it and get into it. Um, but I don't think I, I mean, I fell in love. Yeah. I was, it was hook, line and sinker. And, um, yeah, I never, I never looked back. I mean, I, I finished up high school was so fed up with the whole, with the whole college uh, application process that I was secretly talking to military recruiters. Wow. Um, yeah. And still, I still should have done that, but anyway, I ended up yeah, going yeah. to school, but the only, the only colleges I applied to, I, I researched ones that had firehouses right by campus that I could be a part of. I'm so, so jealous of that. Cause man, when I graduated high school, the internet was brand new. And so for all, all the young kids that listen to this podcast, believe it or not, the internet was brand new at one time. And that was <laughs> 1994, yep. 1995. I graduated high school in 95. I didn't know. I didn't even know bunking programs existed. Like I didn't understand yeah. the volunteer fire service outside of like the, my small slice of New Jersey. So I had sure, no idea sure. man, my trajectory would have been totally different also. Yeah. Um, yeah. So ended up uh, down in North Carolina uh, in college down here um, was, uh, you know, by the end of my freshman year, I was taking entrance exams. I was like, yes, Screw this. this yeah, is what yeah, I want. Right. I mean, I still, you know, I was like, you know what, this is, I want to finish my degree, but like, this is what I want to do. This is, this is legit. So, yeah. Um, everything. I mean, I, I was kind of born and bred on Northeast firefighting and, and seeing a slice of it here in North Carolina. Um, that was a little different. I was I kind of like the Northeast style. So everything I did, I took, and that was home for me. I mean, I still, I love Philadelphia. Sure. Well, till the day I die. But, um, so took tests in Philly, New York, uh, Fairfax County, Virginia. Um, and, uh, ended up, the, the New York test I took got thrown out because of a lawsuit. That was like, Oh, five Oh six, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, and that, that one never even went past the written, the entire, um, the entire, uh, test got thrown Bounced, out. Yeah. Um, and then, um, yeah, I had some choices to make Philly, Philly called. Uh, I was able to get my residency reestablished up there and, and within six months, uh, or so from graduating was able to start the academy. Yeah, so, that's a good um, that that is a great lineup. time frame. Yeah, it, and it worked because I was supposed to be in like an earlier class, but Philly Philly's residency requirements have been all over the map. But they they used to have when I got hired, they had you had to be a city resident for a year prior to getting right. hired, which honestly I don't even think is legal. But um, yeah, so I I had to defer, but I was I was able to use. I was like, hey, I need to finish school. I'm going to defer to finish school, and that gave me time to. Cause my, my parents had moved south. My, I was born and raised in, in Philly area, but, but with some Southern parents who had split the day I graduated from high school. Yeah. So I had to go up there and kind of reestablish residency in the city. And that gave me time to do that and finish school and the time. Where, so I got in the last class off my list. I was very blessed that I was able to sneak in there. Nice. Um, and, uh, and it, and the timing worked out pretty well after finishing up school. So, so that was 2008, got in the Academy and, um, what was it? What was it yeah. like walking into a big city fire department? 
I mean, humbling. Did, yeah. I did mean, you? Was it your dream come true? You were like, "Hey, man, I'm home, big city, Philadelphia. This is where I want to be on the job." Like, it just things the the stars and planets are aligning. Yeah, I mean, I remember. I remember when I was trying to kind of decide what where to go with all the testing processes, sitting on the Philly Art Museum steps, the the Rocky steps there, yep. looking out over the city, trying to like, all right, Lord, where do you want me to go here? And uh, just yeah, just so excited to 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 start something like that. I mean, there's just no yeah. I don't. Know. I, I can uh, I can see that I picture. It's, it's like a movie like, scene. Was... There you are sitting on top of the Rocky <laughs> Steps, overlooking the the you know Philadelphia landscape, yes, sir. and then an yeah, engine not... and then an engine comes by, and you're like, oh, that's it. Like it's time to go. I love well, it. <laughs> I think it did. I think Squirt Forty Three came around around the oval there. That's so great. Like, All right, this is this is where it needs to. Yeah, happen. thank you, so, God. Thank you for sending me a sign. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's good. So, so yeah, I mean, and, and I didn't know what I was getting into because it's a you know the big city fire department world is, is sure. different than, than other things, but uh, but yeah, I was I was you were hooked man. hooked yeah. Awesome. So yeah. how were your early days? Were, were you assigned to engine truck? Like what kind of, where, yeah, where'd you so end up? I went to uh, engine 16 out in West Philadelphia, um, which uh, is kind of in the, the North part of West Philly. It was a really, it's a really interesting engine company because they have a very diverse local. They cover, um, they have some really ghetto neighborhood pockets. They cover a big chunk of Fairmount park okay. on which uh, the, you know, the uh, Summertime song by Will Smith. They talk about the, the plateau where everybody goes. That was in our first do. Oh, cool. Um, and uh, so some highway, some, some uh, yeah, all very diverse locals. So learned a bunch there. Had some great uh, senior guys break me in. Good. Um, nice. And, uh, yeah, had a blast just learning. You know, and urban firefighting was such a different world. And uh, we also, you know, we had a lot of vacants, which was totally new to me. And prior to that i was like oh vacant is a vacant building but what i didn't a vacant building became kind of a sub obsession of mine because they're you know they're they're these kind of living breathing things and and constantly changing constantly and i just kind of got obsessed with the, the neighborhood and 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 i uh, just loved kind of studying it and watching it and, and uh being a part of the, the I've, community there, i've so. had that conversation with a lot of people that work in neighborhoods like that that they they yeah. find this uh I don't know, consuming uh, devotion to those neighborhoods to really understand them and become a part of the fabric of them. Um, I think it's really interesting for sure. It's a whole nother, you know, you could go on for hours on just that conversation alone. But, you know, I mean, that really had to uh, set the stage then for just continuing to fall in love with the job that you always wanted to do. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, everything, you know, once we, yeah, there's just nothing better. I can think back to those early days and just the, I get chills just thinking about cool. going out the door and, and, you know, getting your head kicked in all night with <laughs> shoe runs, but catching a 5 a.m. job, and it just doesn't get any better than that. You yeah, know, that's, that's cool. That's, that's good. Uh, that's a good time. So from the engine, uh, where, where did you head? So I put in a gazillion tickets for ladder companies, and it just never worked out. So um, I was uh, stayed on engine 16 and then went to, I think it's like fall of – Fall of 2011, 2012-ish, I uh, got into our special operations school. Um, the way that worked, they had like an application process, interview, all that kind of good stuff, and um, was fortunate to to get accepted into that. And so you um, bid for the spot, basically. So it's it's a it's a so uh, what 
what Philly does, Philly is kind of unique in that you don't set foot into a special ops company until you're fully trained. Oh, okay. So what they do is they kind of put a class together and they run the whole class through the full training regimen, which is technician level and, you know, all of the major disciplines and yeah. then a lot of heavy fireground survival, uh, firefighter rescue stuff. Um, and then once that's done, then you have, you know, this pool of eligible guys who can then put in for, for spots in the special ops companies. Okay. And in Philly, I know there's uh, one rescue, right? It's one rescue company. There's one heavy rescue right. and then two squads. The rescue is kind of in the middle of the squads are north and south. Got it. And they, we pretty much have the, all the same functionality. Um, the squads also do hazmat in addition to to all the, you know, they have a first do local and they're doing sock work and they're doing hazmat. So it's a it's a fun place to be. I ended up at a squad. But, yeah. So if it's a first um, do fire, you're stretching a line. I mean, that's your prior. You're, you're then the engine company for that first do. And then, you know, special services is outside your first do, if you will. Correct. Yeah, so got we it. had like, yeah. Um, That's got to so be anyway, fun, man, because, you know, everybody loves stretching on a fire. So it's kind of, uh, I got to think that, that that was a lot of fun for you, especially in your earlier years, right? I mean, that, that had to be a lot of fun. Dude, it was, forget earlier years, every year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was fun till my dream last night. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Where I, I ended up at Squad 72 in, in North Philadelphia. And I just can't rave enough about that place and those guys and, and the experiences we got to have there. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I learned to be a fireman there because you have to think so differently. Okay. Because you come into a fire scene, you know, when you're an engine company, you know, especially in an urban area where everyone has pretty defined roles, you know, your job is going to be stretching hose line in some capacity unless something really, really bizarre happens. Um, and when you're a special ops unit, when you're coming into a fire scene, you're at the incident commander's discretion, but there's a lot of leeway there to kind of do what needs to be done. And so you have to, you have to think a lot more, you have to read the fire ground more and say, what needs to be done? What doesn't need to be done? When do I need to just, you know, reappear on the sidewalk? Cause the, all the work is getting done and I'm yeah. going to get in the way. So it's just a different, it's a different, uh, animal and, and, you know, really forces you to think and, and. And I, and I know that plays right into who you are. And I wonder if that's where a lot of this came from, because I know you're big into like mindset and I know that, you yes. know, you're, you're a chess player. Like I've through our conversations, you and I, you know, we've had a lot of back and forth on different things and I watch how your brain works when we talk. And I see that you are constantly sizing up and constantly putting together your plan in your brain. I mean, but I think that then lends to why you're so disciplined in the tech side too. It's because they go hand in hand, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I enjoy problem solving. I enjoy yeah. puzzles and that's all we, all we did. And that was the, that was the excitement. I mean, again, I yeah. get chills. like you come to work every day looking at this giant city and like, man, if something goes wrong we're going to have to go fix it. And the, the, the opportunities for things to go wrong are pretty endless. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's no one else coming over the hill. So it's just a great, uh, yeah, there's just no better challenge and, and opportunity to, to test the craft. So that's cool. I love that. So and sc- complete studs working with, I got it. Well, know, just working with the yeah. some guys who I've, ridiculous respect for and learn so much from. So. I get it. I mean, but I think that goes without being said, but of course, you know, it's uh, you know, a testament to where you come from and in the company you're in. I mean, plus in a city like Philly, you know, it, this is a, this is a busy department that goes to work and to have a heavy rescue and two squad companies. It's pretty narrow in the amount of guys that get into the, that special operations command. No, it is. Yeah. It is. 
yeah. yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah, there's only so many spots, and right. and most of the time, people who go there like to stay there. So now, um, did you did now going and bidding for the spot, right? Taking all the classes and everything. Did you find that your love for it just, you know, on the tech side of things? Because that's where you are today, right? I mean, you are very involved in in rope rescue and all of that. We're going to get to that with Anderson Rescue Solutions, but you know, is that where you really started to? fall in love or were you already falling in love and that's where you just like went all in so that's probably where i would i was already you know already in love with it but um so my background i was a when i was seven my grandmother gave me a, a rope from the hardware store for my birthday like a little braided thing and my dad made he called it a great mistake or great opportunity to get me a non-locking oval carabiner from the army navy store and telling me how he used to do a, a, a carabiner wrap rappel in the army and that was it. And I was repelling out of trees. I mean, I'm, it's pretty lucky I'm not dead because I was just clipping a carabiner to a belt and jumping off stuff. So I got into climbing pretty young. I was in in, in uh, recreational rock climbing and mountain stuff uh, well before my time in the fire service. Got, so it. When, got it. When I got into the fire service, I was like, wait, there's ropes here? Cool. Let's do this. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, best of both worlds. Yes, exactly. So it was uh, that just kind of came naturally. Um, and then, yeah, the technical side of it all, you know, and that's what I, I just a quick plug for the diversity yeah. of, of these companies. Like, you know, I was, I was the rope guy, but you know, I had other guys I worked with who were carpenters and like, they're your guy you go to with collapse. Other yep, guys right. who are like big boat people. And it's like, dude, what's up with this motor? I go to this guy. Like, and it's just, so the teamwork aspect of, of, you know, working together there with, with different, everybody kind of has their, their specialty and um, just a phenomenal. Well, that's what there. I but mean. Yeah. That's, that's what we love about the firehouse, but not just the firehouse, but when you really start dissecting the special operations command and these special companies, I mean, typically they're looking for tradesmen. They want people yeah. with a background outside of the firehouse that can lend a hand, whether you're a welder, or a, a fabricator, a carpenter, a plumber, an electrician, you know, you name it, right? I mean, any, any type of trade, only lends a hand to the critical work that they typically do on a regular basis. Right. And I felt kind of, I'm not a big trade. My I mean, rope is kind of my, my trade. Uh, but you know, I, I wasn't a builder. No, so I get it. Yeah. There was a steep learning curve there for me, but, um, but it was great to be with people who, you know, just had those, had those skill sets. There's so much to learn. And yeah. Yeah. I learning. know, you know, uh, a friend of ours, uh, you know, a mutual friend that we found out that we have Matt, Matt uh, Murphy, I mean, he oh, was, yeah. you know, Matt was, I mean, Matt's one of my most favorite people in the world. And, um, yep. you know, he was also very much the same. And I know how involved he is in climbing and, and, and all mm-hmm. of that. And it, it was a love before the fire service. And then in the fire service, yeah. he just, you know, it, it took, it consumed, you know, where he went and what he does. And so, you know, Absolutely. uh, it, it's just, it's fun to watch that. I think, there's something to that, you know, when you can take, I mean, all of us love the fire service. And then if you can take something else in your life, that is a passion, right? I mean, climbing, rock climbing, repelling, all that, right. A seven-year-old kid jumping out of trees with a single carabiner and a, and a rope. I mean, like, you know, there's a passion there and to be able to bring that forward and combine that with your love for the fire service, is just gotta be like driving in the work in the morning. It's like, I got the dream job. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Doesn't get better. So the so the love for for all of that, the sock work, right, and then the rope work in particular, right? What started? I mean, I, I'm guessing through the creation of Anderson Rescue Solutions, right? You were starting to see some areas that maybe needed 
better equipment, some some upgraded equipment, or representing the actual functionality of how you use this equipment on a regular basis just wasn't matching up to what you thought you needed? Sure. So, <laughs> backstory. No, well, that, yeah, that's no, kind of where, that's, that's you're going to be a lot more eloquent about it. So go ahead, brother. I was just setting it up. When it all started, I had zero idea that this was going to become a thing. So I wasn't thinking that that big picture. Uh, but rewind back to the special operations school in, in 2012, they had one of the weeks of the, the school was, was fire ground special operations. So it was survival. It was advanced, like, like trench cutting, all that kind of like high end stuff. And then the most hellacious writ school you can dream up. Uh, and in that context, they did a great job of forcing us to perform under stress forcing us to experience what you know extreme stress would be like while trying to do a firefighter rescue and obviously you know I knew I was going home at the end of the day so it's it still doesn't ever touch what what one of those actual incidents does but the the net effect was was wow like all this crap I thought I knew how to do I gotta I need to throw it out the window in this context and I need simplicity so um, where ARS started was was a product called the multi-loop rescue strap and I made it specifically because it was like all right everybody carries this loop of webbing in their pocket that works great in theory like all this hasty harness stuff well they they had to start trying to they're like all right tie a hasty harness and they start inducing stress and all this kind of stuff and and basically the bottom line was you wrap it around a guy's neck six times and and are all tangled up it just doesn't work right. in that environment the, the theory is great but it's like, look, if all we're going to do realistically is girth hitch somebody, then I need a tool that's easy to do that with. Right. Um, so I kind of had this idea for this thing and my wife can sew. So I got some webbing. I was like, hey, can you, you know, put a loop here, put a thing here. We'll kind of see what we can, can do. And and that's kind of where that came from and um, started to refine it a little bit and, and play with it. And um, the... Uh, some other people started having interest in it. The yeah. other farmer like, Hey, I kind of want one of those too. And I was like, all right, well, so I started to try to, my goal at the time was to find another company that might have interest in it. And, you know, here you go, license this off. Like, I, sure. you know, right. I, I was you no know, intentions of starting all this nonsense. So, <laughs> um, but at the time, nobody was interested. Like, yeah, whatever kid. So, um, which ultimately was a good thing because it forced me to start doing it myself. So, and there was a couple of years in there before this became official, but Anderson Rescue Solutions officially started January 1st of 2016 right? in order to have an LLC to not get sued and, and, you know, start doing this stuff. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, started making, making the rescue strap and then. But there were, if I, if I have the story correct, right, there were many, many years prior to the establishment on, on January 1st of 2016. I mean, you're talking probably four years yeah, of R and D, right? And, and four years of R and D and trying to line up, manufacturing and yeah. trying to be like okay i'm actually going to do this um and uh and again i mean it was just a uh, cool i'll sell some straps on my basement we'll call it a day um and uh unfortunately instead of rolling over in bed i had more ideas and uh started making more stuff and um and all of my all of my stuff pretty much comes from a it comes from necessity b it's based on either simplicity equipment efficiency or both so to unpack that a little bit yeah you know we work in a very 
complex, high threat uh, environment that has a lot of uh, human factors involved um, with stress and human performance and emotion and all that kind of stuff. So the stuff we need needs to be needs to be simple, especially if it's in that kind of firefighter rescue uh, camp. Um, the other thing, you know, looking at kind of a tech rescue side from ropes to rope bags to equipment, there is a there's a bias to complexity in the tech rescue world um, that I I couldn't disagree with more. Um, it's you know that people people are kind of obsessed with these big complex systems and this that and the other. Right. And you're taking a complex situation and adding complex solutions to it, and that math doesn't add up, at least not appropriately. That no, makes sense. Um, we need to take complex situations and add simple solutions to them to scale everything down and bring us back down to earth. So kind of our gear is designed. So where you used to have four rope bags, now you need one, where you needed one, you know, three pulleys, you need one pulley, like, you know, trying to do stuff that like, look, let's, let's bring this back down to earth. Let's make this efficient. Why does, um, why did we get there? Like, wh- how do, is that because of the commercialization of, of the equipment? Like, cause one of my questions to you was going to be like, through R&D and through actual street credit firefighting, being involved with firefighter removals, being involved in high angle, low angle, and everything else in between in your special operations command, it gave you the ability to say, this works, this didn't work well, let's look at this and why this didn't work, and then come up with a different way, right? So you have that street credit. I have to think a lot of the equipment that is commercially available that fire departments purchase probably are done through R&D of people in in just the rope industry or or the industry across the board and it might not be specific to the emergency services other than the bag they put it in that's marked firefighting right sure i mean all of all of our stuff is coming from like real world like hey we did that and this didn't work well we need something better so um or just looking at, at how people are operating in training contexts and things like that but you know the real key is is where are the where are the problems? Where are the holes? And how can we how can we plug them? How can we um, do this better uh, for better outcomes for for firefighters, for civilians, for tactical operators, for you know all these people who uh, end up in bad ways quickly? And we need you know that's the whole the whole point is um, making it easier to get folks home. So. So when you when you created the multi loop rescue strap, which I think is one of the most important pieces of equipment on the in the American Fire Service today, and I think you know everybody you. needs. Well, it's it's just factual, and not just for me. Um, you know, it's also other people that I know have a much grander pedigree than I do on the street. Urban firefighters who are going to work regularly that carry this strap and the versatility of it of what you can do with it. Um, I think it makes it an incredible piece of equipment to be carried by every firefighter. And I think it's something that needs to be explored and talked about further because it's a great piece of equipment. And so, you know, and that's not because you're sitting here on the phone with me today and we're talking about it. I wanted you on because one, I respect, you know, your upbringing through the fire service and what you've built and created as a firefighter owned business, because you've made a better set of equipment for our own first response, you know, for our firefighters, especially in the special operations command. I mean, it's just, it's important to me, but where I was headed with this was when you first created that after four years of R and D trying it, bringing it to the firehouse, guys, check this out. What do you think? No, we don't like this. We like this back and forth, back and forth. Are you 
were you anticipating like okay the the multi the the multi loop rescue strap is now street cred it's out there people are using it right you're starting to see it's making a difference i have to think that people are telling you about uh, survival and success stories that this that your strap has been involved with yes and that is by far the highlight of what i'm doing uh is when when i get emails and texts and phone calls about like yo we we did this uh and it worked and you know we made this grab or we did it for this thing or you know that's that that you know and you know i i hate tchotchkes i you know when i first made this thing i was like i didn't trust it myself i was kind of like i hope this isn't just something stupid and i kind of have a kind of have that test for all the stuff that we we try to design you know i always send it out to people i respect and listen i want you to punch me in the face if this is stupid um <laughs> you know give me the honest opinion that this is either really cool or it's a paperweight that i just wasted 10 grand of r&d money on so um but uh yeah, and, and that's what, you know, seeing it work in reality and, like you said, seeing other people who have no reason to like it, um, appreciate it, that's what that's what keeps us coming back every day. I mean, I know everybody I talk to is so freaking humble, right? And, and I know you are as well, but I have to think that the validation of your, your brainchild, something that you created – right? From, from mind to physical, you created is making an impact and making a difference. That validation has to be a lot of what's fueling your desire to do more. Because, you know, you look at the Anderson Rescue Solution portfolio today, and you have a lot of other equipment out there that is now added on to the multi-loop rescue strap as your, as your first product that was launched, right? And so that has to be because you're seeing, you know, you're seeing the need for additional equipment to represent a simple answer to complex problems. And the fact that, you know, you are making a direct impact and getting feedback on that has to be a great amount of fuel for you. It is. Um, and, you know, right now, since I, I'm no longer riding a fire truck full time, uh, it is it is the bulk of the fuel. <laughs> uh, because I believe it. I believe it. You know, I go to my I go to my warehouse every day and, and uh, you know, try to do as much R&D as I can. But I'll be honest, a lot of my days are, are emails and and uh, getting product out the door and, and putting out fires of the kind that I, I, I wish I wasn't fighting. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work, but, but that's what, that's what keeps us coming back. Yeah. I mean, I just got, there was a rescue yeah, this weekend with the rescue strappers uses an anchor strap for a rescue they had to do. And, you know, like those are the little things people keep coming back with like, Hey, we needed a solution for this. And, and your, your bag or your kit solved it. And it's like, okay, great. Then we'll keep, we'll keep plugging away. That's awesome, though. That is so great. I mean, I I just, you know, you're making a difference. But here's the thing, right? And I want to talk about this, and I don't want, you know, I don't don't want to get weird with it, but, like, you went all in. I mean, you retired out of Philadelphia early to go all in on Anderson Rescue Solutions. You've had great success with it. You're, you're, you are making an impact in the American fire service with your gear and your, and your desire to do better, make our job easier, but that comes at a personal sacrifice for you no? Yes. Um, are you a licensed therapist? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I just, I've been doing this a while, but I can hear it in your voice and I get it too, man, because like I'm at a crossroads in my life right now where, you know, you know, and, and so 
I get it. And I live this struggle every day. It's one day I lean one way, the other day I lean the next way. And like we said before we started recording today that like in life, we have to make decisions. And you don't know when you make that decision if it's right or wrong. And who's to say it is or isn't, right? And so I just know that, you know, when you just said before you walk into a warehouse, I know as you said that you were envisioning you wish you were walking into a firehouse to go to work. I mean, I I get that, man. (laughs) I totally get that. But, you know, there's a lot of people that listen to this. And and a lot of the feedback we get on this, on our audio channel, especially when we talk to firefighter-owned businesses, guys that are running businesses outside of the firehouse or they go all in like you have, I mean, there is more to it than just designing new product and and do it. Yeah. Like what you alluded to, what you alluded to was you're doing emails, R and D, product for you know order fulfillment. I mean, it really is a large step away from what you were accustomed to. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, the where where I came from. So ARS was growing. I was doing it part time. It needed. You know, if you gave me the money, I'd hire 20 people tomorrow. I get it. But the, I had two full-time jobs, no family in 500 miles, three little kids. Yep. Uh, there were a lot of factors that played into it. So um, we ended up moving to North Carolina. My wife is from here, and that's where we had the highest concentration of family. And it's kind of like, look, let's, let's restructure some things. I was very, very blessed from my time in the Philadelphia Fire Department. I can't... Um, I can't emphasize that enough. And I was very fortunate to be in a busy shop and get to do a lot of things and see a lot of things and experience a lot of things. And, um, but being a fireman, being greedy, um, I can't, you know, it was never enough. It'll never be enough. (laughs) And I'm still working part-time down here, still riding a fire truck. Oh, good. Uh, Okay. I didn't know that. So that, that warms, that warms my heart a little bit, brother. (laughs) Yes, sir. Town of Nightdale, it borders Raleigh here. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, trying to poke the bear a little bit. But, got it. Um, got it. But yeah, it's a big, it's a big change. And there's, you know, I firefighting and rescue and stuff. That's my trade. I didn't go to Harvard Business School. Um, I don't know a whole lot about uh, manufacturing. Um, you know, I, I have, I have, or patent law or any of these other things that I spend most of my days doing now. So it's, uh, it's quite a learning curve and. It has, it has been, there've been a lot of, it's, it's not easy, you know, every manufacturing, particularly this current uh, socioeconomic climate is a, is a challenge. Um, unlike anything you can really imagine right now. So um, yeah, there's a lot of, it's, it's not an easy road. Uh, you know, no. I always joke, like I wish I'd rolled over in bed and forgotten the whole thing, but <laughs> had I done that, you know, like there's, there's a reason for, for things and, had you had you done that, had you done that, there might not have been a grab made this past weekend that you heard about that involved your equipment. It could have sure, been instead right. of a, instead of a survival, it could have been a body recovery. Right. And so, you know, I, I have to think I mean, I know you're making a difference. I know you're making an impact. Um, I also know the business side of things and I know what a struggle that becomes and where in the fire service, you know, you, you have an up and down day and some days are busy and some days yep. are, are slow and there's that fine balance and it's a it's a passion and love and business uh is is a completely different animal and there's so many brothers and sisters out there that try to 
do something outside of the firehouse to supplement incomes and so on. And so I get that, man. But the business side of things is difficult. And so for you, I mean, you're learning as you go. I mean, that's what you just, I mean, who the hell knows patent law? Who knows, you know, manufacturing, you know, and so on. And so, you know, those are things that when you go all in, uh, especially when it's your animal, especially when you're not bringing in massive capital, you know, uh, you know, private equity yeah. or anything like that to, to offset the cost right, where right. you can bring people in to supplement your own hustle. I mean, everything falls on you. Yeah. And that's, you know, if, if you are, yeah, it's, it's funny when I, when I retired, everybody was like, like, Oh, you won't have to work nights anymore. I'm like, yeah, but now I'm awake all night. staring at the ceiling. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah. So I would have rather, I would rather go on my 10th shoe run, but, um, the, uh, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a grind, but again, like you say, there's a mission and that's, yeah. that's kind of what my new mission is. Now my, I'm, I'm not, you know, the guy on the tip of the spear anymore, but I'm hopefully equipping those who are and, uh, trying to sneak on, on a, on a fire accident here every once in a while. But, um, you know, I will say if, if for folks who might be toying with this kind of idea, yeah, please reach out to people. Um, yes, you know, find other people to talk to. Like I, I, I've had a lot of mentors who've helped me in all this business nonsense. You know, some fire service folks. I found recently a guy in the uh, the tactical community. There's a ton of like post 9/11 veteran startups out there. A lot of them doing really well. And I was fortunate enough, especially in North Carolina, which is a huge military state. I found a, a guy who, who owns a, a company down here um, who's been just a tremendous, you know, he's, I was like, listen, I just give me an hour of time. I want to hear your story. I want to hear how you got to where you, where you got. And, and, and he's been just a huge help. You know, different industry. There's no competition. So it's just like, look, how did you, you know, what, what uh, potholes do I need to watch out for? And so find those people, find people who, who know some stuff about manufacturing and have, have done this before and, um, yeah, but it's, you, it's you bring incredibly up, you, rewarding. It's incredibly hard work. You bring up a great point because you talked about your days in Philly at Squad 72 and just the rock stars that surrounded you in that firehouse, senior men that, that really laid the foundation for you at Engine 16 up through the special ops, right, and so on. And so we, we look for the senior man. We look for incredible bosses to empower our line firefighters and to make us better instill these values and expectations in us to make us better. We can do the same in business too. Like we mentorship is not just in the fire service. Mentorship is everything in life. I mean, me being a father, I look at my father and try to, you know, use him as a mentor of somebody that I truly love and respect to make me a better man, which makes me a better husband and father. We can do the same Absolutely. in business, right? So, I mean, this guy, I mean, I guess that was kind of a, a mentor for you to help guide your way. Yeah, I mean, I've had, I think we've had some business-specific mentors from yeah. kind of day one. Mm-hmm. And, and this guy in particular, he's he's my age. You know, he's a younger entrepreneur type, and, and um, his company is significantly further down the road than mine is. So, yeah, trying to find people who, who you can you can trust and, and sounding boards and um, and get help from, uh, yeah, it's the same concept as the firehouse, you know, like no one's going to give, you know, the probe a hard time who's asking the right questions and who's digging deep and, yeah, yeah. and uh, from the senior men. So, um, yeah, find your, find your business senior man and, and latch on. Yeah. I, it's just, I think it's so important, man, because I know when you're in the trenches, you, you, there's a, probably a lot of nights you feel alone, probably a lot of nights that, are sleepless because I'm I have them and I'm actually having some right now with a lot of things going on. I'm just 
spread. Sure. I'm, I'm spread too thin and it bothers me and I'm not sleeping like I used yeah. to. And, you know, and it, it's, it's cyclical for me. So it's like, you know, in a couple of weeks I'll be fine again, you know, but it's like, yep, we, yep. we all have these struggles and it's, I think that the best advice you gave though, was look for others and to, and to have conversations, especially in our world, man, like, you know, we're a fire service, we're brothers and sisters, like lean on each other, because yep. at the end of the day, like there's there's should be that inherent trust within. And so if you have a question or concern or you're thinking about, you know, starting a, uh, your business outside of the firehouse, ask people that are established, ask people that have been doing it and yep. navigating that landscape, because there will be some great advice to come your way. For sure. For sure. That's awesome. So let's talk about the Anderson lineup, man. I mean, I'm going through, yeah. uh, I went through the website earlier, you know, just to give myself a little background other than, you know, to give myself a little bit more knowledge than what I, what I did know. Um, you got a lot of great stuff on there. Now, proprietary, most of the, just asking, I don't know if all or some of the items are um, your design. So I, I have to think that a lot of the items I, I look at, the, like the rope bags and so on, I think that they all have your influencer design into them, no? Yeah, everything we have is is 100% uh, ARS designed um, with one, well, one so that we, we make some bicolor uh, static ropes for right. rescue, which basically means that the tracer pattern changes halfway through. It's so that if you're working both ends of the, the rope, you can tell them apart. Right. That's not a new idea. It's a new idea in rescue. That's that's again one of the benefits of cross pollination. That's okay. climbers have used bicolor ropes for years because um, they have to do a lot of double rope stuff where they have to find the midpoint. I'm not so interested in finding the midpoint as I am using my two ends for different jobs to be more efficient. So where so, so whereas pushing, old jobs you'd have two rope bags to be carried up, now you can carry one. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And just you know one rope to do yeah. to do multiple things. Um, so that concept isn't ours. We, I, I will claim our influence on trying to bring it to the rescue world and, and, and get that out there. But everything else pretty much there is, is, uh, is ours. We make some kits that use other people's products that we've kind of assembled in a, in a unique way. Um, but all the other ARS labeled stuff is all original. Uh, we have four patents now and, uh, some of the stuff, you know, we don't, uh, isn't really patentable material, but, but yeah. yeah, everything's kind of original to us. So, um, it's fantastic. Very, very proud of what about, so for you, I mean, do you, the R and D has got to be the fun part for you now? Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. If I could hide in a cave and just do R and D and never send another email, unless it's to you, I'd be, I'd be happy, man. That's um, awesome. I, I believe, but talk but, about uh, that because that's a, that's a true, that's your seven year old passion that you still have yeah, today. Well, that's, that's the fun thing is, is getting a problem set and, and trying to, you know, that's when the juices start flowing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's exciting. I mean, look for, there's going to be a, a social media post tomorrow that you might get a kick out of. It cool. goes down this R and D path, but um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a mixture of, of trying to balance the day-to-day -day operations with, with R and D, but we've got, I mean, shoot, we've got, um, four or five products currently in R and D in different phases. The hard part is just with the manufacturing world right now, you know, you've got to, you've got to put your attention on maintaining the stuff that you do have already on the market. So, you know, it, it leaves yeah. a small amount of room left to really get new products out there. So it takes well, a it. while to get stuff on the market. But, it takes a lot of yeah, capital. Got a lot going on and it's fun. I mean, that's the part where, you know, we actually got a phone call two weeks ago from a guy 
own a rescue company somewhere and it's like, listen, I need something that does this. Here's my problem. And that was just game on. I mean, yeah. nothing makes me happier. You're like, you're, no, you're my new best friend. <laughs> exactly. Like, yes. All right. Let's, yep. know, and just going down that rabbit hole, I've learned a ton in the past two weeks on that one particular topic. Just like, okay, what if we did this? What about this? Does this exist? How do we, and that's the stuff, you know, that, uh, that's that keeps me up at night in a good way. That's the fun yeah. stuff when I'm, when I'm, you know, thinking through problems and trying to figure out how we might figure it out. So, ah, that's good, man. That's good. What a great story. I mean, I, I just, it's so nice to really hear the foundation of where you started and how you came up through what's next for you. I mean, Anderson, so what, what do you have uh, going forward? What's next for you guys? I know you, you, uh, on the, on the, uh, the trade show side. I mean, I know you've been going to trade shows. I know you've been putting out your social media content. How, talk to me about social media real quick, then as a firefighter own business, how important yeah. is social media for you? It's, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's really helped ARS grow more than anything else. It's relatively uh, inexpensive to do. Yeah. Um, you know, usually have to produce the content and, you know, as you guys have seen on your side, like it, once things, once snowballs start rolling, it's, uh, it gets it out there. Cause that's, that's honestly been uh, the largest driver for us. You know, the trade show thing is as difficult as expensive as they are. It's often difficult to, you know, judge the, judge the return on that. But, you know, there's a, there's a video we, we did a month or two ago on one of our products that's just got gazillions of views. And is, you know, that video took us an hour to shoot and it's like, wow, okay now people all over the country are calling us to ask us about this. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's an awesome platform. It's scary. I hate social media. I wish I could, I wish I could throw my phone in the lake sometimes, Can't. but, um, but it is, it is a necessary thing and, and used correctly. It can get a lot of good information out there. Yeah. I, um, I know, couldn't agree to, anymore. Yeah. Trying to distinguish between the white noise. Cause there's a lot of it out there. And, you know, especially from a training perspective, you need to be careful because, you know, it used to be you had to get vetted and get your article in fire engineering or wherever. And now anybody can, can produce training content. And our attention span has been so reduced by it that, uh, you know, nobody wants to dig deep anymore. But I think that's something we can work on and we can challenge each other in the industry to try to, you know produce good stuff and yeah, influence positively. Yeah, I think there's ways to vet the content today. I've talked about that a little bit, but I think there's ways. And, and a guy like yourself, what you're doing is you're signing your name to every piece of content you're putting out. You're putting your company name and your personal signature on everything that you're doing. And what that does is it tells the viewer that you are buying in and you believe in everything that you're saying. And so that, to me, vets it, right? Because people that are putting out shit aren't signing their name mm. to it for the most part. Yeah. And so That's for true. you with a reputable company that is dedicated to bettering the mission, I mean, you guys are a hundred miles an hour forward and I love seeing it. And um, I think social media for you has a wonderful place. And I think what it can do at, at very cost effective, I mean, shit, it's free. I mean, if you, if you yeah, ultimately really think is. about it, right. And yeah. so, you know, with all of that comes the ability to promote your company into the into the places where people are paying attention, and um, yep. man, I I'm very happy for you. I, I truly am. Uh, I think that uh, what you've done and what you're doing, and I think you're only scratching the surface, brother. I think there's so much more to come for you, um, and so on. So, where can people? Fi- yeah, where where can people find you? Where can they get in touch with you if they have a question when it comes to um, you know anything tech on the on the rope side and so on? Where can where can people find you? Absolutely. So our website is just AndersonRescue.com. Uh, we are on Instagram and Facebook under Anderson Rescue Solutions. 
you can get us through any of those. Um, there's a contact us link on uh, the, the website or just the um, info at andersonrescue.com. All of those ways will get us or message us on in, or uh, in social media. Um, we're happy to talk about our products. We're also, like I said, we're happy to talk about your, your issues because that's there you go. That's what everything that we have has come out of a real world. Huh, we could have done that better. Or this there there could have been a better way. Um, so what helps us now is you share your problems. You know, I, I got to be honest. Our like I said before, our R and D cycle is slow. We're not going to have something in a bag looking pretty for you in a week. But um, if you if you've got an issue, let us know. Um, there's no promises there and guarantees, but but that helps us uh, know what kind of problems we can solve. So, um, but yeah, we're just, we're honored that the stuff's getting out there. Where we go next is kind of a mystery. You know, this whole, this whole process has been, um, <laughs> has been one of, of desperately putting down the train track in front of the train as sure. fast as you can. Sure. Um, and, but we've got some big ideas. We'll see, see where it goes. So I love we're that. excited. Well, I'm very happy for you. And I will say this as I close out, right? It's just been an incredible time spending uh, some time with you today and learning your backstory, Tim. Likewise, I appreciate you. you. Yeah, I appreciate you just taking an hour out of your day and uh, chatting with us. But I have to say this. If you're listening to this podcast, go to AndersonRescue.com. Look up their multi-loop rescue strap. I, I stated it before, and I'm going to say it again. It is a tool that I think every firefighter should have at their arm's length away or they carry it on them themselves. Um, I would suggest that you go and look at that because that item itself is worth the look and the time and the conversation today. So, Tim Anderson, Anderson Rescue Solutions, thank you, brother, for joining me. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Stay right here, and I'm going to get back to you in a minute as soon as I sign out. No problem. Yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in for another episode on the audio platform of National Fire Radio. We are releasing a new episode every day. Share it, like it, leave a comment. We appreciate your support and keep talking about the job because when we talk about the job, we make the job better. Have a good day. Be safe. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.